we like to do things that involve play. I feel like play is such an important part of, uh, well, it's really an important part of being human. Uh, but especially for any creative professional, you need to be able to be in touch with your sense of play in order to engage in creative exploration. Um, and so uh, we definitely try to, to create playful experiences. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Neo Marais Show. My name is Thomas Daam and my guest today built a career in human-centered design, including co-founding the first UX consultancy, Wellpath Path, writing the fundamental book, The Elements of User Experience, whose iconic five-play model has become a staple of the field, and defining Ajax, the dynamic interaction model that transformed web technology and design in the Web.2 era. His work has been published in more than a dozen languages, and he is a frequent keynote speaker on making designers and organizations more human-centered in their work. He currently leads experience design storytelling for Capital One, which acquired Adaptive Path in 2014. Next to that, he is host of the annual UX Week in San Francisco. Jesse James Jarrett, welcome to the Neo Malaysia. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Great. Jess, let's jump in right, uh, right away. Um, what makes a great um, user experience? What makes a great user experience? Uh, you know, one of the interesting challenges I think about doing this work is uh, that there's no, there are no rules that always apply. That, uh, you know, I think a lot of what we're doing with user-centered design is uh, trying to sort of broaden the range of inputs that we consider in the design process to incorporate uh, a broader range of different kinds of people and to accommodate different kinds of experiences. So each individual is going to bring to an experience their own context, their own history, their attitudes, their opinions, the things that they're used to, the things that they're comfortable with, the things that they're not comfortable with. And so a great user experience is really one that is sensitive to the needs of the individual and uh, takes into account that uh, we don't all think the same way and we don't all behave the same way. And uh, a, a good design is going to be flexible enough to be able to accommodate these differences in human psychology and behavior. One of the interesting things about having been a user experience designer uh, for as long as I have been, which is nearly 20 years now, and uh, to have been a part of the field during this time of its uh, initial sort of coming together and then the, and, and then the, the phenomenal growth that we've seen in the field uh, since we founded Adaptive Path as the first user experience consultancy back in 2001. And we have really, you know, in those early days, we were um, having to do a lot to prove ourselves. We were having to do a lot to uh, help educate people as we were going about the value of approaching design work from the perspective of human psychology and behavior. And, uh, and so it was, it, there was a lot of advocacy involved in the early days and a lot of, um, you know, continuing to sort of sell the work that we were doing. Mm. Not that that has really ever ended, right? Because we're always in the progress, we're always in the process of uh, selling design and selling the value of design. Mm. But I, but we didn't have the proof yet in the early days. 
we were also working with uh, with technologies that were much less sophisticated uh, than we work with these days. We didn't have um, the sophisticated mobile platforms that we have now. Uh, the web itself as a platform, uh, I think, took a, took a long time to really mature into something that made for uh, a compelling application environment. Mm -hmm. And so, um, so it was hard at the beginning to, uh, to convince people of the value of approaching design in a different way when the tools were so uh, sort of rudimentary and the mindset so unfamiliar. Uh, that it really uh, it required us to 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 be having a lot of conversations with people about the value of the work, and uh, to really be constantly wherever we could find proof, wherever we could find places where design really had made a difference, uh, to be able to surface those and celebrate those, and uh, that's part of why Adaptive Path maintained such an active public presence for so long. Uh, was really to continue to um, to celebrate the power of good design. Right. Was it an advantage that you are in San Francisco? Yes and no. Uh, it was uh, San Francisco was an advantage to us uh, in that the kind of people that we wanted to work with uh, as colleagues were uh, tended to be you know people who uh, gravitated toward the opportunities that the Bay Area afforded in terms of. The diversity of the kinds of work going on, the challenges of the kinds of work going on. But you know, when I talk about uh, Adaptive Path's history as a consultancy, people are often surprised that so little of our work was actually done for clients uh, in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, and in Silicon Valley. Um, in that, what we really found was that although we, I think, initially thought that we would primarily be working locally. Uh, what we found was that the um, the demand in the market for these services, which was much broader than that, and uh, that there were many, many uh, more traditional uh, kinds of organizations, not necessarily tech startups, that wanted to learn from the design approaches and the um, the insights into technology and behavior that were coming out of the work being done here in San Francisco. Right. I can imagine that because, as you said, user experience is more than just a digital thing. It's with everything uh, around it, like it is with, with all the things that you bring uh, with you and how you experience the mm -hmm. the thing that you brought. I want to go to a quote that I read in your book, The Element of User <laughs> Experience. Actually, it's quite a long quote, but I'm, I'm going to try to make it as best as possible. Okay. The quote says, um, that March, I traveled to Austin, Texas for the annual South by Southwest Interactive Festival. It was an engaging and thoughtful, provocative week during which I didn't get much sleep. The conference schedule of the day and night activities begin to resemble marathon after a couple of days. At the end of that week, I walked through the terminal of the airport in Austin repairing to board the plane back to San Francisco, it abruptly prompted into my head a three-dimensional matrix capturing all my ideas. Um, how important is it for you to attend types of conferences like South by Southwest in shaping your thinking or are the moments that you describe you are walking in the airport um, you are maybe digesting on autopilots 
are those moments more important for you? Uh, I don't think you can have one without the other, really. I think that um, for me, uh, that process of creative inspiration is always fueled by the conversations I'm having with other people. Uh, whether it's elements or really any, even um, in the specifics of working on a, on a particular design project, uh, what I find is that I need the conversation. I need the um, the stimulation of bouncing ideas off of another human mind, or ideally several of them. And uh, so, you know, I think that 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 really that stimulating environment of South by Southwest. Uh, as I was um, developing uh, the framework that became the elements of user experience, uh, was uh, it was creating fertile soil in which my ideas could take root so that, um, so that by the end of the trip, where I had had so many stimulating conversations and so many, uh, uh, been exposed to so many different points of view that had stretched my own, right? And had, uh, and had, had helped me see things in different ways, uh, that I could then sort of bring that same level of cognitive flexibility that I develop in, through exposing myself to other people's work and having conversations with them, bring that same flexibility back to my own work and allow me to see my own work from, through a different point of view. And in the, in the case of this example, uh, it was something that I had been struggling with for some number of months as I had been trying to figure out how to express this set of ideas. Uh, and somehow, uh, I, maybe the sleep deprivation was a factor there. Uh, but uh, somehow the conference got me into a more sort of flexible mindset uh, that allowed me to uh, see the problem differently. And that was where the, um, the elements model ultimately came from. Hmm. It's interesting too, when I read this quote, I was really like, ah, this is, this is one of the reasons why people go to conferences to get this different input and how they work. And um, afterwards you have a moment of reflection. So then you bring in other moods. So that's, I, I found it really striking to, to see that you were already writing this like in 2001. So it's really amazing yeah. that it's such a long time, but still so accurate. So it's well, time. I think, I think you're right to point out the importance of the moments of reflection, because I think that it's very easy for us to get caught up in delivery, delivery, delivery all the time of pushing out the next piece of design work of, uh, of, you know, sinking our teeth into the next challenge. And we don't often build into our creative practices, the opportunity, uh, to take a step back and just reflect and think about, uh, uh, think about the work that we've been doing and, and, and think about the larger patterns that we are starting to see, um, outside of the context of the specific thing that's in front of us in the moment. Uh, but to be able to notice, hey, you know, this is, the, this is the way that this work has built on the work that's gone before, and maybe that suggests a future direction uh, for ourselves creatively. Um, so I feel like, uh, you know, in the airport, I, was, I spent a lot of time standing in line, uh, you know, at the, at the ticket desk and then uh, at, the, uh, at the security line and then, to, and then to get onto the airplane. And so I had a lot of time, which was just uh, simply this time where I was forced to do nothing else but just sort of stand there and not do anything else. 
Um, this was a time before smartphones existed, so I didn't really have that as a distraction. Uh, and, and my thoughts sort of turned back inward toward my own practice. And that's, um, you know, it was taking advantage of those moments where we might otherwise be bored or fidgety uh, to reflect uh, that helped me kind of find my way toward that creative solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. What you're saying is that then there was no mobile phone. The only thing that you could do was think, have a conversation, read a book or a newspaper or whatever. And for the rest, there wasn't anything else or watch television maybe because the technology wasn't there you were forced to do other stuff that are like less distracted yeah and it's much more of a challenge for me now i think it's more of a challenge for all of us now because the the temptation of the device being right there in your pocket or right there uh in your hand uh that can just instantly feed you so many possible things any uh anything that you can think of uh is you know a thread that you can pursue you can dive into the um uh you can d dive into the network and and follow it uh or simply if you just want distraction right that uh it's always available as this little distraction machine and i think it i i think the brain's desire for input that is the brain's desire for activity can become a challenging thing for us to um to overcome to be able to to um to create space for ourselves uh away from input to be able to uh reflect on what we're doing in our lives you know regardless of whether or not you're a creative professional i think all of us need these spaces for reflection that are um increasingly hard to come by um given the way that we live with technology these days yes exactly so I want to go to the UX week, um, which is coming up in August. And that's also a way, uh, place for inspiration and for maybe also for reflection. I wanted to ask you um, what led up to starting organizing the UX week? So we've been doing UX week for 16 years now. And uh, when it started, it really grew out of that same uh, need that we were talking about uh, to educate our audience and to help people um, start to wrap their heads around um, designing technology products from a human-centered point of view. And so when we started, we, were, uh, we, uh, we knew that we, when we started the company, we knew that we would be, need to do a lot of this kind of education work. And so one of the very first things that we started doing was developing workshops uh, that we could go into companies and teach, but also workshops that we could, uh, that we could hold publicly, um, to bring individuals in. And, uh, UX Week initially was, uh, a whole bunch of workshops that were all just taught by Adaptive Path, kind of teaching people our methodologies and sharing with people what we'd learned from developing our own practice. Uh, and then a few years into it, we finally decided to, uh, let some other folks speak, and we added a conference piece to the workshop program. And that has developed over the course of the last 16 years into something that I feel very proud of. I, I feel like uh, delivers a really uh, interesting and unique experience relative to other design conferences that are out there. Uh, UX Week is a four-day conference, uh, because as we all know, there are four days in a week. And... Uh, <laughs> 
the workshops are still really the core of what we do because uh, the hands-on skills development we feel like is really important to uh, continuing to advance the field broadly. We need to be continuing to kind of give people new skills and give people the opportunity to, to stretch out and try new things. And so we have uh, a whole diverse range of, uh, of workshops this year. Uh, we have six simultaneous tracks going on with workshops across a really wide range of, of, um, of different topics that people can uh, roll up their sleeves and really uh, try on for themselves what it's like to try to pr solve problems in these different spaces. But in addition to that, we have our conference program. So as I, uh, uh, as I tend to think about it, um, the workshops are the part of it where, uh, where you get the real sort of practical skills uh, which means that for the conference, uh, it, it, it frees the conference up to be something a little bit more inspiring and something that is a little bit more thought-provoking uh, because we're not trying to teach from the conference stage. So the structure of UX Week is that it opens with a, a, a full day of conference program where we're all in one big room together and we're all, it's just a single track and we have uh, a mix of different talks of different lengths that uh, cover really a wide range of different topics uh, that are related to experience and design. And we deliberately take a broad view of experience design uh, just for the purposes of bringing in perspectives on the work and um, ways of thinking about and doing the work uh, that people may not have been exposed to before. Mm -hmm. So we'll have some people who work in technology uh, up on the stage to talk about the challenges that they've faced in, in, and, and the ideas that they've come up with uh, in response to those challenges. Uh, but then we will mix it up and we'll throw in people who have uh, experience developing, uh, creating experiences in different spheres, they may not even think of themselves as designers, uh, but who are definitely shaping experience through the work that they do. What I find very interesting about uh, the UX week is that you start with one day inspiration, then you have the whole workshop part, and then you end also with a with a conference day as a and as an inspiration again. Um, yeah. Was there a specific reason for, to to do this? I think that I, I think it comes back to the experience that we create for our attendees. So we bring everyone together to give everyone a shared experience to sort of kick off the week, um, so that uh, you know we we're starting to to feed those conversations and starting to uh, to uh, pique people's interests in different ways and spark ideas. And then, and then, and then we go into the workshop setting where, uh, uh, where you're spending uh, most of your day instead of sitting in, you know, a theater, uh, you're sitting around a table with half a dozen other people who are also dealing with the challenges uh, that you're dealing with, and who are also curious about the things that you're curious about. And the workshops give people an opportunity to connect on really more of a one-on-one -on -one or small group level around the things that they're passionate about. Uh, and then we bring everybody back together at the end of the week uh, for one more full conference day 
which is uh, really kind of creating this sense of shared community mm. uh, together and uh, hopefully some inspiration to send people out into the world to uh, to tackle these uh, to tackle these challenges in new ways. Yeah, I've, I found it very interesting how you set it up. Um, are you also curating the week? So yeah, I am. I I lead our uh, our UX Week programming team, uh, which is responsible for choosing the speakers. I end up being responsible for a lot of the kind of coordinating the larger vision. You know, uh, putting these conference programs together is always a little bit of an experiment, especially as we are every year pushing ourselves to do new things and to bring new voices into the mix. Um, and uh, because I've been doing the event for so long. Uh, I've seen a lot of things, a lot of things that didn't work along the way and some things that did as well. And so I'm able to provide that guidance to our uh, conference programming team to, to help us work together to bring together the best pro possible program for our uh, attendees. Right. And is there this year um, a certain like topic or subject that you that you want to address during the week? I, uh, you know, it, there's never just one thing for me uh, in terms of what emerges as the as the, the dominant themes for UX Week year over year. I am always trying to, um, to some extent, we are, we're, we're always programming the conference for ourselves mm -hmm. uh, to, uh, to just ask ourselves, uh, what are the topics that we're really interested in? Yeah. And what are the, what are the talks that we would really want to see? Um, uh, there's something about doing the conference in addition to being practicing designers that it forces that moment of reflection that we were talking about earlier. It forces us to uh, to take a step back and ask ourselves, what are the topics that really matter to us right now? And what are the, uh, what are the influences that we want to be drawing on? And so year over year, uh, we have sort of continued to continue that exploration you know, obviously this year, some of the things that are uh, really big on people's minds are the um, the effects of technology on society, um, because we uh, have been through a period of uh, seeing a lot of intense uh, social disruption and, uh, and upheaval uh, as a result of technology and the role of technology in people's lives. And we as designers, I think, have an enormous responsibility around this because we are the people involved in these um, in these product development conversations who are speaking for the human experience. We're speaking for what matters to people. And if that voice is not heard, then what matters to people can get lost and technology can be uh, a destructive force in people's lives. And so... Uh, in a lot of ways, we are uh, looking at, um, you know, ways that we can uh, manage and minimize the damage. Uh, but we're also looking for opportunities to do new things that um, that feed people, that feed society in meaningful ways, uh, that um, that strengthen our connections with one another instead of weakening them. And uh, and and help us find uh, you know common ground, and so those kinds of things I I feel like are definitely 
themes that we're going to see um, from our speakers at UX Week this year. Um, part of that is the inclusion of um, of a broader range of voices. Um, you know, so much about user-centered design is fundamentally about helping the team that's creating the product understand that the people who might be using the product don't necessarily think the way that they do and don't necessarily behave the way that they do. And uh, this, as a design practice, uh, it really demands us to uh, look at the cases that we might think of as the oddball exceptions and to really take into account how bringing those exceptions into the conversation uh, can strengthen our design for everyone mm -hmm. who engages with what we create. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think it's very, um, very good that you try to have speakers from all different backgrounds and um, disciplines. And can you give uh, some examples of um, speakers that who really stand out for you or where you really look forward to, to hear their view? Yeah, well, so, I mean, I think I, there are a couple of, um, we've got a couple of, of talks that approach this um, from slightly different perspectives. Uh, we've got um, we've got a talk on on accessibility and designing for and with the disabled uh, to um, to create more inclusion in that process. Um, our uh, the process of really bringing the users deeply into um, the design process um, and and the the creative exploration of possibilities. Uh, so we've got that one. We've got another talk that uh, is going to be focused on on you know designers sitting around the table with business people and product people and technology people and sometimes feeling like uh, like we're the only ones who are uh, thinking about the users and we're the only ones who are who are really um, you know bringing the human to the to the center of the process and. Um, developing ways to um, to have those conversations, um, to acknowledge that everybody around that table has something meaningful to contribute, uh, because we all have our human experiences that we draw on, and drawing on that diversity of perspectives and bringing that diversity of per perspectives into the creative process. And so it really is, I feel like, about respecting and, and acknowledging uh, that people who have different experiences, people who have different ways of thinking, people who come from different cultural backgrounds, people who come from different socioeconomic backgrounds, they all have something to offer us because each person who is a participant in this process has their own unique perspective. And if we can develop processes that can bring together those distinct perspectives and uh, help uh, integrate them and synthesize them into a design direction, that will make the design stronger. That will make the work uh, speak to more people and speak more effectively to the people that it does reach. But that's also important when you're building a team, for example. Yeah, I mean, I, because it's it's not just about um, making sure that you're listening to all of the different types of users that you have, but it's also about listening to all of the people who are sitting right there with you um, and, and acknowledging that if, you look around the table and you see a lot of people who pretty much look like you, who uh, have more or less the same uh, cultural references and uh, childhood experiences and educational background and all of those kinds of things. 
what you're going to get is a bunch of people who are uh, going to see things in a very similar way, uh, which is great for driving agreement, but it also creates blind spots. It also creates places where there, there, uh, there may be uh, either problems that need to be addressed or opportunities to do new things that aren't visible to us because nobody around the table has that, uh, that point of view. And there's no place in the process for bringing together different points of view. And that's what we try to create through human-centered design. You put a chunk of time now in organizing this event. How does it influence your daily life or your work, your daily work? Uh, well, you know, doing the conference uh, really does uh, require me to be constantly thinking about um, what matters and what's coming next. Mm -hmm. And so uh, the conference, it only takes place for a week out of the year, but it really is a year-round project. Um, I get about six weeks off after we after we uh, finish the event, uh, where I don't have to think about it for a little while, mm -hmm. <laughs> and then uh, and then we start the process of of starting to brainstorm the following year's program, and then it's a months long process of uh, working through ideas for topics that we want to cover and finding the speakers uh, that we feel like are right for our audience and having conversations with those people. Um, and so basically what it means is that I'm sort of constantly scanning the environment. I have a running uh, list on my phone of potential speakers and topics that I just carry around with me year after year and I'm constantly sort of adding things to it. And as, uh, as, I, as I get people onto the program, I can take them off that list. And so, um, uh, so it's, that, it's that constant awareness of like, what are the important things that, that I feel like we all should be talking about? And who, what are the important voices that I feel like we all should be listening to uh, that I want to amplify through the program? every year that really it forces that reflection in a way that I think is really healthy for me creatively. Putting people on the UX Week stage who are dealing with really different kinds of problems and uh, bringing potentially really different mindsets to those problems, it gives me more tools as a creative professional uh, so that um, the next time I find myself faced with a problem for which it's not exactly clear how I should tackle it, mm -hmm. that, um, that if my if my own experiences don't guide me toward uh, a path through the creative darkness uh, that that I can that I can reflect on oh hey you know that toy designer that I saw talked about a uh, taking on a problem in this particular way mm. people who may have uh, worked on projects that are really really different from mine may have found different creative tools to get them through uh, those challenges and those become things that I can draw on and maybe not use exactly, uh, but uh, can be inspired by or can can modify to my own purposes. Yeah, are, are you um, closing speaker this year at uh, UX Week? Uh, so I am the host of the show, um, and I uh, I do little short interview segments between the talks um, with the speakers. And uh, our our event closer this year is uh, the podcaster Roman Mars, uh, who's going to be doing a live performance of his podcast, 99% Invisible, which we're really excited about. We had him at the event last year, and uh, it was just a really great way to close the event. Uh, he does a great job of uh, bringing design 
out of the abstract and uh, back into the realm of real human impact. And, and that is just the perfect note for us to send people off on for the conference. Yeah. Yeah, I saw I saw his presentation from last year. Yeah, it's really really great. And um, what are your ambitions for the UX Week for the coming five years? Wow, five years! Wow. Well, uh, within the next five years, UX Week will turn twenty years old, which is really just mind-boggling even to imagine. You know, I'm really excited by the group of people that we have brought into our programming uh, process. Um, I, you know, I've been doing this thing for a long time and I definitely can get stuck in my ways uh, and, and develop my own habits about, um, and prejudices about what works and what doesn't on the stage. And so for me, having the opportunity to uh, work with, uh, so I work with a, a a group of designers from different parts of Capital One who are all contributors to this process um, and to hear their different points of view and to see the program come together that really is like there are a bunch of things on there that I wouldn't have thought of and things that I would not necessarily have chosen and that part is exciting to me because that uh, those are opportunities for me to discover new things. So just continuing UX week for the coming five years have a big celebration. <laughs> <laughs> that would be uh yeah that would be really amazing that would be really amazing yeah and um does ux week have a signature drink uh, does ux week have a signature drink it probably should at this point uh um i i think that i think that maybe we will take on the challenge this year of creating the ux week cocktail i think that would be a a fun design problem for us. Yeah, <laughs> that would be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm always asking this is so I'm so curious if there is like this specific drink that everybody drinks and or yeah. Yeah, we we like to do uh, we like to do fun and adventurous things uh, at the conference with our um, uh, with our evening social events. And so sometimes that's going to be uh, interesting cocktails and sometimes that's going to be um, beers and video games and uh, sometimes it's going to be all kinds of things in between that so oh wow so actually it's what i was uh, was reading in the quote from south by southwest it's a day and night schedule full of um, yeah. crazy activities yeah well i think you know community is so important mm -hmm. um i i talk to many many people who come to our conference who are part of des smaller design teams or part of smaller organizations where they really uh, only have a handful of people that they can ever talk to mm. about the work that they do because it is, it is challenging in its abstractness sometimes to be able to relate to uh, people who don't do this work every day. And so the opportunity to have those conversations is I think one of the really powerful things about conferences generally and uh, what we try to create with UX Week are opportunities for people to have those conversations. So, uh, yeah, we have things going on every night of the week to um, to give people more chances to come together and for those ideas to spark. Coming back of all the adventures, um, is there like a specific highlight that you would mention, that you would like to mention that happens in the last 60 years, 16 years? Wow. Well, so, yeah, we've done so many different kinds of uh uh, kinds of community building things we've done uh, 
We like to do things that involve play. I feel like play is such an important part of, uh, well, it's really an important part of being human. Mm -hmm. Uh, But especially for any creative professional, you need to be able to be in touch with your sense of play in order to engage in creative exploration. Um, And so uh, we definitely try to, to create playful experiences uh, with our social events, we uh, will frequently do them in spaces where there are opportunities for um, structured opportunities for people to interact with one another um, through uh, playing little games or interacting with exhibits or other kinds of things that um, that will engage people more than just sort of uh, standing around drinking while a DJ is playing. Right? Mm-hmm. I see we only have a, li- like a limited of time. So um, before we round up, I always end with uh, my uh, conversation with the Neon 5, where I ask for a um, single recommendation in five categories. Is that okay for you? Okay, let's go. Okay, book. A book. Okay. Uh, I want to recommend the book Understanding Comics by Scott McCloud. Uh, I, it, I think is, uh, it's about comics, but it's about something much more than that. It, uh, I feel like it uses, uh, comics as a, as a, as a, as a way into talking about human creativity and how humans process experience in ways that have been really influential for me in my work. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's a great book. Um, food. Food. Um, let's see. Uh, Mm. food is such a very personal and particular thing i uh i am a great fan of chocolate i think that um i i think that chocolate if uh strategically deployed uh can be one of those valuable sort of boosts to uh mental flexibility mm-hmm. um a well-timed uh, piece of dark chocolate in the middle of a creative process can really um, kind of energize you and get you uh, and get you through those difficult periods. Right. So you really let let it melt in your mouth, or yeah, yeah, it really is. I, I there's there is definitely a neurochemistry thing that goes on uh, when you just uh, sit back and let the let the chocolate work its magic on you. <laughs> uh, okay, movie movie uh so uh recently here in san francisco they uh were showing uh back on the big screen stanley kubrick's uh 2001 a space odyssey uh which is a movie that i just don't get tired of watching um because it just it works on so many levels it works as visual art it works as the sort of the orchestration of uh of visuals and sound and music and and uh, and all those kinds of things. It's just a, such a wonderfully crafted piece of media that also speaks to something deep uh, about uh, humanity and its relationship to the universe. Yeah. Um, person. Person. What kind of a what kind of a category is that person? Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it can be somebody who inspired you or that you really relate to or yeah. I um wow, there are uh there are so many people that um that inspire me and um and so many people whose work 
I connect to um, in different ways. I, uh, you know, as we've been talking about UX Week, um, thinking about um, all of the people in the field of user experience uh, who have worked hard for so many years to uh, to bring people together and to build up community. Um, uh, I am thinking right now of the work of my friend Christina Woodkey, who uh, has been part of the user experience community for <laughs> as long as I have, and uh, has been doing so many different things over the years to uh, uh, to help support designers in their work. Um, she is now um, uh, she's now teaching young designers, uh, as well as she's the founder of a project called Women Talk Design, which is intended to uh, both to promote uh, young female or just female uh, voices in the design community, but also for uh, for women who want to um, have their voices heard, to give them the support and the uh, and the training and the community and the confidence to get out there and do that. And I just think it's a wonderful project. Yeah, yeah, I know the project. It's really, really wonderful. Um, last category is miscellaneous. Something from your life. Miscellaneous. Uh, I, uh, I have to say that I am uh, really appreciating the value of taking walks these days. I, uh, I think again, you know, with the devices and the distractions and the overall uh, crazy media environment that we now swim in 24-7, I find it really, really valuable to do something that involves moving my body and not uh, reading anything. Um, Just to sort of ground and center and reset, I find it really, really valuable. So highly recommend taking walks. And do you have a specific area? Like, is it a rural or in this, or does or in the city, or it doesn't matter? It's just walking. Yeah, just wherever you happen to be. I think that um, I I think that noticing when you feel off balance, mm-hmm. uh, uh, emotionally or psychologically, because of whatever you're dealing with in your work or whatever uh, noise you are picking up from the, uh, from the larger world uh, to, to notice that and just take a few minutes to, um, uh, to get out and walk around and breathe a little bit, uh, no matter where you are, I find super, super valuable. Yeah, absolutely. How can people follow you? Uh, best way to follow me is on Twitter where I am at sign JJG. So UX Week uh, takes place August 21st to the 24th, 2018 in beautiful downtown San Francisco. Uh, you can find out all about the program and register for the event at uxweek.com. It's really, really impressive what you uh, have, co- have accomplished, like so many great speakers and so diverse also. It's really, really inspiring. Thank you so much. I'm really, I'm really excited and looking yeah. forward to it. Will all talks be available yeah. as video? We don't, uh, we don't publish video of the workshops because the workshops are meant to be hands-on experiences. They're not really, they don't make for good video. Uh, for the main stage conference program, we publish as much video as our speakers will allow. Some of our, some of our speakers have... Uh, contractual obligations to their employers or the people that they are working uh, for or with that don't allow their um, talks to be shared, but we 
we share as much as we can. Okay, great. Wonderful. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Thomas. Hi, it's Thomas. I want to thank Patrick Perkins for helping me set up this interview with Jesse James Jarrett. Next to that, Neo Marie has a weekly newsletter called Neo Monday with the latest design conference news and updates on our digital world. You can sign up for Neo Monday at neomarie.com slash subscribe. You can also support Neo Marie. We just started with the Patreon page. You can find out more information on ways to support me in developing Neo Marie further. All information you find on patreon.com slash thomasdaan. And follow Neo Marie on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Just search for Neo Marie. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. It really helps others to find out about this show. Thanks for listening.